chapter the last. Natalie could feel the storm like it was calming her bones, tweaking down her veins and pulling in the tips of her limbs. She'd spent the evening alone, ignoring the summons for court that evening. Her mind felt tattered and swollen even as the power building in the clouds pulled at her. She climbed the stairs of the tower, hoping to outclimb this feeling, these feelings, the ones that had circled since the decision, the line that she'd crossed. Since then, the weight of that line had dragged her down to new depths like a rope wrapped around her ankle. But with this climb, she was moving past it, above it, as if maybe the rope could snap. A static buzz in her head told her she was getting closer to the storm. It was so close now that she might brush it with her fingertips. What had changed in her that she could feel the power roiling overhead now? This tower on the front corner of the palisade wall was ten stories above the island, which already sat a story or two taller than the rest of Bost. So this was the highest point in Bost, higher even than the cliffs that circled most of Bost's deep harbor. The air changed as she climbed, and soon the wind touched her hair, pulling her forward. She followed their directions, the breath coming harder in her lungs. Ten stories was a good climb. The air changed again, and she strained to make it in time, the urge rising swifter and harsher, almost metallic in her mouth like sucking on copper. Then she was bracketed by low walls and only hemmed in by the sky as the world opened in front of the waist-high wall. The clouds boiled with power, the moisture trapped inside, but the electricity gathering to break free. The storm sat over the harbor and the whole of Bost, low and dark, bringing true night faster than it should have come. The wind picked up and hurled the smell of salt and trash toward her face. Her nostrils were full of the contradiction of Bost, human life and the unchanging nature of the sea competing together. This land didn't care who occupied it. The land would continue to be shat upon and dug up and disregarded by the ones who crawled above it. Nina or Bost, it didn't care. Natalie wrapped her arms around herself and hugged tight. There was an unraveling happening inside of her. If she wasn't careful, she might pull to pieces with the wind, break away like dandelion drifts. The wind grew colder, and a blast whipped the unseen flag at the top of the pointed roof with a crack. She closed her eyes, and when the rain came, it mingled with her salty tears. The creak of boats on the whipped caps of the river echoed, carried by the wind in strange ways, here, then gone, and then back again. Then the world was electric sparks as lightning hit the flagpole just above her. She rocked backwards against the smooth stone walls that guarded the interior staircase, bright stars behind her eyes. The rain followed her motion, and for a moment everything was clean and pure and static with power. The power hummed through her, and she gathered it, throwing it back up into the sky in a wordless arc. Her power added to the lightning bolts, hitting the sky and splintering until the cloud looked like it had been shot through with color. For a long moment, Natalie was empty, and everything was relief. Then the wind whipped her hair, and she came back to herself, cold and shivering on the top of the tower, looking over the capital and wondering who she was. This power that lay under her skin, it had demanded so much of her already. Could she continue on this path? Down it lay a war she didn't want, a title she didn't understand, and a responsibility that might crush her. 
The wind carried her and she shivered again. So much of her life was now entwined with this power. Did she own it or did it own her? She called more water and its weight added substance to her, soaking her clothes until she dripped with it. A tug on her mind pulled her away from the storm and back into herself. She looked over her shoulder as a figure emerged from the tower. Philip, handsome and tall. Philip, who saw something in her that she shied away from. Natalie, what are you doing up here? His voice shocked her with its paleness. Compared to the wind and the fury of the rain, it was small and weak. She shook that impression away. I wanted to see the storm. You're soaking wet. He crossed the space to her and pulled her closer to the overhang, out of the direct path of the rain. Why up here, though? I wanted to be as close as possible. The reason sounded crazy as it left her lips, but it would have been worse to say that she was dragged here by her body and her power, as if her power had called to other power. Were you up here for that lightning bolt? he asked, rain splattering on his face and paling him further. Natalie straightened. I was here. You could have been electrocuted standing out here like this. Shock made his eyes wider. She shook her head gently. No, I caught it and threw the power back into the clouds. She looked away so that whatever his initial reaction, he'd have time to pick his words. You did what? His voice shook and she resisted reaching out to see what he was feeling. I caught the power and threw it back, adding mine, she said, staring over the sheets of rain as they fell overbossed. I needed something to do. God's below, Philip cursed. Why? I can't get it out of my head, Natalie replied, barely audible over the howling wind. She felt just like the wind, just as full of fury and bluster and uselessness. It's Nyssa? Yes. No, it's, it's complicated, Natalie said. Lightning hit the water far out to sea and she watched it dance. And then she turned to him and said, I'm terrifying. His face was carefully neutral. You're not terrifying. She laughed, a hard sound that made him flinch. No, I am, though. She turned away again. You don't have to lie to me. I'm terrified of it, too. All foundations have impossible things, Philip started. The party line for why she should be proud of how her mind could strip someone down to a magicless nothing and then kill them. <laughs> I can hold your magic in my mind, she snapped. I can cut you off and kill you with a twist if I wanted to. She turned to him again, clenching her fist. I can do terrifying things with my power. I understand why Yina wants me dead. It's not the same. No, you should want me dead. Natalie cut him off. She had been avoiding thinking about this all day, but here it was, the crux of her pain. No, he said hotly. You're the best secret we have. She snorted. The deadliest secret, she replied. If they were smart, they would kill her. There are... Armada is coming, he said, breathing slowly as if he was consciously controlling every aspect of his body to hide what he was actually thinking. She was tempted to reach out and see. Was his heart hammering in his throat? Was he as terrified of her as everyone should be? Hells as she was of herself? Of this dangerous, wicked magic that had already claimed part of her soul? She shuddered and wrapped her arms around herself. But we don't know when they're coming, she said. 
No, we don't, he replied, which is why we need you as a weapon, as an asset, he corrected, his voice gentle. But she didn't deserve gentleness and said, you're going to want me to do it again. We, we don't know what the armada will bring. Careful answers, so careful, so hollow and empty. That's not an answer, she said. He spread his hands like an actor playing the good prince. I will promise not to ask it lightly of you. She shuddered. Light and dark, it's all the same. She shivered again, the wind chilling her to the core. Let's get you out of the rain before you catch a cold, he said. He was back to gentleness, like she was a shy lass out for her first dance at a festival. I don't need shelter to stay warm. She summoned fire, but instead of burning it in her hands or at her feet, she smothered it down into her veins and her clothing until steam rose around her. He took a stuttered step backwards, catching himself with a fake smile. I know you don't, he said, but this isn't helping you. What would then? she demanded, because I was feeling pretty calm before you came. Hurt flashed over his face. He was the good prince, the fun prince, the one everyone admired for his charm and quick wit. It was something to watch someone like that get hurt. She wanted to reach out and soothe the hurt away. Life had been good to him, keeping him from hard truths and decisions. It made him flashy and bright with all his rough edges unpolished. He was also vulnerable to the things that Natalie had grown used to, even as she'd shed childhood like a snake's slimy skin. Staying up here and wallowing won't help you. His voice was sharper than he'd ever turned on her before. The past happens to you, but what you do with it is your choice. That sounded like the philosophy of the pampered rich, and she turned away to hide the cynicism on her face. You could choose to wallow, he said, stepping closer to her, his eyes popping with heat and passion. Or you could choose us. She wanted inanely to kiss him in that moment, to taste that heat and passion, to feel what it was like to be so God's and God's damned sure. Nothing and no one was that sure in this life. This was all an illusion, all of this, his offer of love, his surety, his confidence, no one knew what she was capable of. No one knew that when she opened her mind wide enough, the whole world came flooding in with its people and their minds and their breakable bodies. It was all there, all within her grasp, all harrying her with potential and snapping with power. She took a deep breath and nodded, the anger draining from her. There was no need to scare them further if they didn't have the sense to be scared of her yet. There might come a time later when they were scared of her. Let it come on its own.